Let's have a look back at 2018 and a look forward to 2019 through the eyes of Isaac Udendal, investment strategist at Old Mutual Multi-Managers. You sent me a piece which was co-penned with your colleague, Dave Moore, and it says, uh, don't give up yet, which almost suggests that people are giving up. I mean, you know we've had a really, really bad year on the JSC, certainly in terms of equities, certainly in terms of corporate disasters and shenanigans. But yeah, we shouldn't give up, especially after the GDP number earlier this week. Yeah, well, one of my other colleagues uh, commented on how my headings for those articles have become progressively more gloomy and now I have to resort to pleading. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the point is, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of somewhat ironic situations for investors where the worse the market does, the better it should do in future. The worse your historic returns are, the better your prospective returns should be because the market becomes more attractive. So I think that's the long and short of it. In terms of the GDP, I think the you know it's certainly good news that the the economy is out of that technical recession, and at least we are we are growing again. But it remains stuck in a very low growth kind of path, sort of bumbling along one percent annual growth on on GDP, and it has done for a while now. So there's nothing there's nothing yet to get excited about the local economy, and that's one of the reasons why the JSC in particular has struggled. The other reason JSC struggled, of course, uh, and maybe we can touch on this, is just how the RAND hedges have performed very poorly this year, despite the fact that the RAND has actually been uh, quite weak. Okay, well, before you go on, we have to talk about what the RAND hedges are. Traditionally, of course, the resources, stocks, the golds, the platinums, and the diversified miners, but there's others as well. I mean, things like MediClinic, for example, Aspen Pharmacare. It seems as though they've all done quite badly. Yeah, so, so this year, the, the mining stocks, Anglo and Billiton have done, or BHP as it's now known, have done reasonably well. Sassel did well when the oil price was strong and, of course, has come back quite sharply. But yeah, the other big industrial rand hedges, your Nasparis, your British American Tobacco, Aspen, as you mentioned, you would have expected them to do well in this environment. And yet, they haven't, mostly for kind of company-specific reasons, not because of anything particularly related to the macro environment. So... Thinking specifically of British American Tobacco, which is a big, big share on our index, you know, they've been hit by concerns in the U.S. that they'll ban menthol cigarettes and competition from from vaping and so on. So that's not a that's not a macroeconomic story. That's more of a regulatory story. Similar, MTN, uh, they're running with the Nigerian regulator. So it, it seems to have been just 2018's a year where everything's kind of gone wrong and and almost all at once. Yeah, but I think the point is here that it can go wrong again in 2019. There's no reason to believe it's just like a once-off when you get a corporate result which says, well, we've had to write off this particular asset or write down this particular asset, and this was just a once-off tax charge. You know the things that I'm talking about in certain mm. companies' results. And I always say to the CEO, well, that's good because now it's out the way. I can't really say that about South Africa and the JSC for 2018. I can't say, thank goodness it was all lumped into that year and everything's going to be fine in 2019. Because for one thing, we've got the spectre of darkness brought about by the Eskom debacle. Yeah, so Eskom is definitely something that quite recently has, and, and you can roll out the metaphor was here about darkening the outlook and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and the like. But basically, what looked like uh, an okay economic uptick, you know, is not in question. Certainly, if they don't sort things out, and some of the reports say this might still be with us for a couple of months, would would really be would really be quite negative. You know, again, I think I think people 
tend to overestimate the link between the SA economy and the JSC, given how our companies have internationalized, especially over the last couple of years. And again, not with huge success. So so one of the other reasons why the local market struggles so much is if, if you can look at companies like Woolworths, Mediclinics, another example of, of where offshore acquisitions should benefit you in a, in a weak RAND environment and in a low SA growth environment. But for sort of company-specific reasons, operational reasons, poor execution, you you know, name it what you will, hasn't worked. Over time, you know, you would expect that to benefit the market, but in the short term, it hasn't helped. So a whole bunch of companies have, have really, really struggled. And I think, you know, if you had to look at the 160-odd shares in the JSC, how many of them are positive in 2018, it's probably, probably about a quarter. So it's just been a really, a really horrendous year. Yes, it really has. It's been difficult for you as well. Every single large fund manager has done badly. I think it's just degrees of badness, if you see what I mean. Has this been the toughest year that you can remember as a fund manager? Well, look, I mean, this is going to be the first negative calendar year for the JSC since 2008. And we all know what 2008 was like. Yeah. So, so if you run a balanced fund, you know, regulatory reasons, you are going to have most of your assets going to be in SA equities. And that's already down 10, 12, 13%. South African bonds and cash have done okay. So that's been a place where you could hide. Global has at one stage looked like it was going to do very, very well for us. But then, you know, global markets have also sold off. And because it depends on which period you look at. So from the start of January, the RAND is weaker. But if you look out of a 12-month period, the RAND is basically flat. So you're not getting a kicker there from, from RAND weakness into your offshore portfolio. So yeah, any kind of traditional South African balanced portfolio is going to be probably underwater this year, which would make it the worst year since since about 2008. So it is really a tough one for for all investors. And I think, again, it comes back to the first point, which is, you know, is now the time to give up? Should I sell my balance fund and just go hide in cash? It obviously depends on your own risk profile. And, you know, this is where financial advice is important. But really, you know, our, our message is don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, we've had a bad year, but I certainly think things can turn around next year. And these are long-term investments. You know, a typical balance fund, you know, you should view on a sort of five to seven-year basis. It's not something that will always give you returns over a 12-month period. That, that is just the way those products work. It's for building wealth over the long term. Okay, we've had the year-to-day overview of the local and global equity markets, and it's been a fairly gloomy first part of this interview. The second is probably almost as gloomy, in fact, maybe even more so, because the point that you make, the annotated point in your much bigger report on Don't Give Up Yet, you say the impact of the local markets, disappointing performance on investors, the impact. Are investors saying, yeah, I've got to get into cash now, interest rates are rising, let me just get out and see what happens in 2019? It must be a difficult sell for you to say, no, this is the time actually to do exactly the opposite yeah so i mean if if you think about you know we've recently had black friday and you know people queuing outside shops to to get bargains and staying up until midnight to log in and purchase things online when it comes to markets people have exactly the opposite behavior when Mm. when markets are down you see people running away and that is as as you said that's exactly the time when you should be thinking of topping up your investments now if if you if you're in a, in a sort of a pension fund environment, you make a monthly contribution, this kind of volatility is actually great because you are buying the market on sale every single month that debit order goes off your your, your salary. Um, of course, it's much more difficult if you are retired and you're drawing an income. Then, then this environment is painful because every month you need to sell some of your investments to 
to fund your your you know your life's needs. Yes. So those two groups have very different different needs, and therefore, again, you know, this is where good financial advice comes in because those two different groups need to approach this problem quite differently. For the long-term investors, yeah, I mean, so cash at the moment is probably one of your best performing asset classes, but historically, if you look at you know sort of three-year periods since you know the last 80, 90 years, equities beats cash three seven times out of ten. So, you know, we're now in one of the three out of 10 times, but definitely the weight of, of evidence suggests that over the long term, if you want to grow your wealth, it needs to be, you need to have more, more market exposure. Exactly. Long term, it has to be like that. Three out of 10. I mean, okay, so we have to endure one of those three and we've had to endure it in 2018. Your third point, talking about the number three, is the performance of the various asset classes and what this means for investors. We've spoken about equities, but what about... Uh, what about bonds? What about fixed income? What about cash? What about property? Goodness me, property is a dirty word these days. Tell us briefly about the other asset classes that we haven't mentioned. Yeah, so so, so property has been has been an absolute disaster. We partly because of the kind of scandal or controversy around the resilient group of companies. And last week there was another report from Viceroy and big sell off in Nepi. But really, I think the the property market has run so hard for so long that you know a lot of chickens are coming home to roost across of companies, not just in resilient. You know, so that market's down twenty five percent so far this year. So it's, it's it's been horrendous. Bonds have done okay. You know, the thing that saves you with bonds is that the yields are so high. So even if there's a volatility in the the price of the bond, the fact that the yield is so high means at the end of the year you're still going to get, you know, your eight your eight nine percent return if global appetite improves the price of the bond can rally and that means you get returns over and above the eight nine percent yield that you that you're earning so we still think it's a very attractive asset loss especially if you think of what the reserve bank is doing now they are hiking interest rates wrongly in my view in order to move Mm. long-term inflation down to four and a half percent so they really are squeezing the economy um, in order to get inflation down so so you know, in this environment, you want to be lending money, you don't want to be borrowing money. And that's exactly what a bond investment does. And similarly, short-term cash, as, as, as you know, those rates are also quite high and quite high relative to inflation. So, that you know, those are still attractive asset classes. Globally, as I've said, you know, the market started off with a bang this year, and then we've had a number of big sell-offs. There was one in October, uh, one in February, and now again in November, thanks to a, you know, a, a sort of inflammatory Trump tweet, things are, things are heading south again. So it hasn't been a great a great year for, for global markets. Interestingly, within the global equity space, it's really been a case of US versus the rest. Hmm. So the US market has done much better than pretty much everything else, um, including South Africa. The danger of that, of course, is that US is the biggest economy in the world and the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ and uh, Kansas City Board of Trade and all sorts of other exchanges, whether they're derivative exchanges or physical exchanges, are the biggest markets in the world and probably are the most important. And although they're flat for the year and probably down for the year after the 799-point route on the Dow Jones last night, I think that if you get a situation in 2019 or even before the end of 2018 where the US market starts to crack, then we crack with it even though we've had a poor year as well. So we've been underperforming compared to the US market. If the US market takes a downturn, I doubt if we're going to be able to buck that trend. Do you see what I mean? There could be another yeah, leg so, down. So that so that is definitely a risk. You know, there's no doubt that if there is a big disorderly sell-off on US markets, that global markets, including South Africa, will be impacted. And certainly if there's a big downturn in the US economy, you will, you will have a similar result. 
The the other possibility, which is something that, that that I consider to be fairly likely, is rather that investors, you know, kind of once a lot of this uncertainty settles down, investors will look at the global market and say, look, U.S. assets have run quite hard, you know, and everything else in the world is cheap relative to the U.S. I mean, and literally, you can you can look across markets; everything has has been down, whereas the U.S. has been up. And and you can get a bit of a rotation out of the U.S. into into other markets. Now, for, I think for that kind of scenario to play out, you need a you need a sort of a a bit of a shift in the in the U.S. growth outlook. You need a shift in the U.S. interest rate outlook, and you need a, a slightly weaker dollar. And those kind of factors seem to be moving into place. If you think about the comments that Fed Chair Jerome Powell made last week, does seem to suggest that the U.S. rate hiking cycle is close to a peak. Mm. Now, you know, does that lead to kind of a soft landing in the U.S. economy or does it lead to quite a hard landing? If it's a hard landing, then, as you said, everything falls down. If it's a soft landing, I think there's still a scenario where then the rest of the market can start catching up with what's been happening in the U.S. What worries me slightly is the sensitivity to the downside when it comes to something like we saw last week. We had two good pieces of news. The first one you've already referenced, and that is Fed Chair Powell. Uh, indicating that there would be a slower pace of interest rate rises and maybe they'll even peak next year at a level below market expectations of two, three months ago. The other one was, of course, the moratorium, the 90-day ceasefire in the China-US trade wars. But as soon as people realised that Mr Trump actually was lying again, and there wasn't any agreement because China didn't verify his comments. The market was so sensitive that it got smashed by three and a quarter percent last night, the S&P, that is. So it, it seems to me that the line of least resistance at the moment anyway is to the downside. And as you say in your summary, it has been an unusually tough year on the JSE, feeling for all intents and purposes like a slow motion bear market and testing the patience of investors. However, markets have always been cyclical and historically patience has been rewarded time and time again. Don't give up yet. And I would say, well, maybe it's the time to give up now because the cyclicality of the bull and bear cycle is heavily skewed towards the, the bulls at the moment and therefore a down cycle may come. And I, again, I'm talking about the US. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, no, and I think those are important questions. So, you know, our approach basically is to say, look, you you can try and time these things and, you, you know, sell out of the top and try and buy in the bottom. And, and But that's very difficult. And exactly yesterday showed you how difficult it is because as soon as, you know, you thought the market was going up and suddenly Trump tweets, you know, that he's a tariff man and the market falls 3%. Yes. So, so that's why timing is very difficult and timing, you know, you need to get the in and out move right. So you need to get two moves timing-wise right. So our approach is rather to say, look, you want to buy things when the market is cheaply valued and, and you want to increase your exposure to assets where prices have fallen and valuations have improved. And that is exactly what's been the case for for equities this year. So as the markets have come down, valuations have improved, underlying corporate earnings in the US is still pretty good. Even outside the US, it's, it's, it's certainly not bad. In South Africa, it does seem to be improving a bit. So You've got the valuation on your side. You know, whether the market turns in the first half of next year or the second half, um, you, you know, that, that I've got no idea. But the fact that you have much better valuations now suggests that over the medium term, your, your return outlook from markets is a lot better than it has been for a while. So I think that is, that is kind of the, the key message in terms of don't give up. It's not, you know, we're not trying to promise that the volatility is over. And in fact, I think until we get a, a decent resolution of the trade war issue, 
either way, you, you know, volatility is probably still going to remain a feature of of the current market environment. Has it changed the way you've looked at things at old mutual multi-managers this year, that when you see MTN, when you see Steinhoff, when you see Aspen and their performances, stalwarts of the JSE, you could more or less say, yes, yeah, so every little dip in these stocks over the past few years, I've done well by buying them. Have, has it changed your attitude at all, or do you just stick to the principles that have always guided you uh, throughout your career, Isaac? That is a very good question. Now, now, obviously, our approach is we kind of those stock selection, we we outsource to other managers. But I think the general point is there does seem to be a bit of a doubt for a lot of investors in terms of does buy the dip work? Because it, it is something that has worked very well over, over, over many years. I don't think there's any reason why why it shouldn't work in future. But by the same token, I think investors need to need to question if something falls thirty percent. Is it thirty percent cheaper relative to its intrinsic value, or was the intrinsic value of the asset overblown? Yeah. So in something like Steinoff, clearly the intrinsic value of the share was much lower than than investors thought for for many many years. So I think that is that is the uh, the area where fund managers need to sharpen their pencils and kind of check their sums again and see, you know, is this thing really worth as much as I thought it was? And if it is, and the share price falls by 30%, then yes, you are, you're probably moving into picking up a good bargain. Isaac, I hope your 2019 is going to be a lot easier than 2018 was, and you can use the experience of 2018 to have a fresh look at the market and pick up some bargains and outperform the market. But also, I wish you well for the end of 2018. Don't think it's over yet. I know you're going to be going on holiday in a couple of weeks' time, but don't think it's going to be over when you go away, because I think there's a couple more surprises coming. Isaac Udendahl is an investment strategist at Old Mutual Multi-Managers, and that was the asset class.